All right, welcome to another episode of Jackman Radio. I'm flying solo tonight. I'm your host, Eric Jackman, and I'm psyched to be joined by my new internet friend. We haven't met in person yet, but something tells me we will one day because we were talking before we were live uh, how great New Hampshire is. But uh, it's Lori Spencer. She's a podcaster, journalist, researcher, historian, and all-around cool gal. Lori, how are you tonight? Thank you for joining us. I'm great. Thanks for having me, Eric. I appreciate you offering me a microphone after YouTube shut my microphone down yesterday. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Started on uh, Twitter, and obviously, those of us who are supporting RFK Jr. Um, are pissed off about that. Um, so that just happened last night, yesterday afternoon, um, and perhaps not coincidentally. Uh, it happened moments after I uploaded our most recent podcast. You know, we do a podcast in support of RFK Jr. called All the Way. And uh, we talk about the campaign. Of course, on YouTube, we're careful not to talk about a uh, certain thing in the arm, the Kool-Aid. You have to be careful about that. But yeah. we didn't. That's the thing. And since we started that podcast a month ago, uh, I was on YouTube for quite a while and I never had any strikes or restrictions on my channel. No problems at all until Bobby Kennedy got in the race and we covered his campaign launch live from Boston. My co-host, Matthew Tower, was there in person reporting on the ground. And so we were just talking about the campaign. And when I uploaded the first edition of the podcast, within a, an hour, YouTube had removed it and put a strike on my channel. And then another uh, interview that I did recently with uh, Misty Winston on TNT Radio. Now, on that one, we talked about, well, we questioned whether or not the Democratic Party runs free and fair elections. Let's put it that way. And without going into detail, you can imagine that YouTube took that down too, put a strike on my channel. So that was strike two. And then I uploaded episode five of the RFK podcast yesterday. And within moments, it was gone. I got strike three. And they told me that I was forever banned from that platform. It's a permanent ban. Um, and, you know, they didn't even tell me why, Eric. I mean, right. sometimes they just don't tell you why. No. So I appealed the decision, uh, asked them why. I still haven't heard anything back. Um, and, you know, they usually just deny appeals, just flat out nope. So yeah. we've, we've got a little bit of a support campaign now going on Twitter. Um, a lot of folks are tagging YouTube and saying, hey, what the hell? Why don't you give Lori Spencer her channel back? And I, I wanted to thank everybody who's doing that. I don't know if it'll make any difference, but thanks for the support, guys. That was my my main source of online income. Mm, like damn. so many creators, we rely on YouTube. It's still, it's a censorship platform, but it's still the biggest platform that we have. And uh, I'm on Rumble. Everyone's like, hey, go to Rumble. I'm like, I'm already there. Why aren't yeah. you? Right. <laughs> it's like everybody likes Rumble, but nobody actually watches Rumble. And I, I hope that you guys are watching on Rumble right now. Show your support for Jackman Radio on a real free speech platform. And I hope that you'll subscribe to my channel as well. And thanks, guys, for the protest in solidarity. Um, all of us in independent media have to stand together. 
when anybody is censored, you know, because if yeah. one is censored sooner or later, it, it'll be all of us. It could be any of us at any day, at any time. And, and I just want to point this out that uh, on April the 25th, President Biden announced his campaign for reelection. And the very same day, the Democratic Party, Act Blue, which is the Democratic Party, bought a humongous ad package on YouTube. You've probably noticed if you watch a lot of YouTube that they force you to sit through a Joe Biden ad for like every video, right? And uh, not coincidentally, that very same day is when the banning and channel striking and removing of videos that were supportive of Kennedy started happening. That's when they got me. They got Kim Iverson, who did an interview with Kennedy. They took that interview down. Dark journalists, they took him down, put strikes on their channels, uh, Indie News Network, uh, Misty Winston, everybody got a strike. If you were supportive of RFK Jr., they would take down those videos, give your channel a strike. And it's like, it's like, slapping your hand it's like naughty naughty you can't support kennedy on youtube well yeah he's he's rattling cages and what he's saying is rattling cages and um for people like us who've been paying attention for a long time um it was it was a mix of surreal but also not surprising that when he did run you're like okay i have a feeling he's going to go down this path he's going to get on whatever the biggest possible mainstream media or audience platform he can get on and he's going to speak truthfully about things that you're not allowed to talk about and we're watching it play out in real time and for people who aren't fully aware or grasp that uh they're they're missing something historic that's happening right now and of course big tech and the overlords are going to do everything they can to soften that blow and to mitigate it and to put ice on it but oh they're desperate they are and they're 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 showing their hand and Banning you like that and Kim Iverson and anyone else who's going to give Bobby coverage and talk about what he's saying right. uh, is, is them showing us their hands. So we do see right. how desperate they're getting and they are losing their gra- their grasp that they have on people's consciousness um, because legacy media is, is, a, is, di- is a dying enterprise. That's and right. When you see things like vice folding, going into bankruptcy, what was that other rag? Um, they went they flopped. several. <laughs> they flopped recently. Yeah, I'm trying to remember yeah. which one it was. Um, but it's not surprising because when when it can be just direct, like you and I here talking right to the people, um, and I don't, you know, my overlords are are my patrons. Uh, yeah, I know That's you mentioned right. YouTube was how you made money and monetized, um, and to give myself and this podcast a little plug, Patreon.com/slash/JackmanRadio is the best way to support. Uh, my brother and I, um, this podcast, we just ask people for like $10 a month. And most, I'm sure most of the people watching, and I know we talked about it, Lori, that RFK Jr. interview that we did, mm. that the quality of that and the production value of that speaks it's for beautiful. itself. Yeah, yeah, you did it in 4K it's with in, the nice cameras. And I know in, that that cost yeah. me some money to do that. That costs some money, exactly. Yeah. And I'm not a greedy, money-hungry kind of guy, but it's a tool to get our ideas out there and do it in a way that we can compete. Well, I don't even want to say compete, but put out something that's visually dazzling and visually appealing and shows that we are serious about this. And this is uh, something where people like us can be professional. So 
That's right. And you know, I, I worked in the mainstream media for most of my life. 35 years I was wow. in the mainstream media. And so <laughs> I was censored so many times. I, we always had to worry about our corporate sponsors. Uh, we couldn't do a story that might offend our big sponsors or the brass upstairs. Yeah. Um, and the reason I left, I left the mainstream media in 2022 to, to go independent. And of course, I went to YouTube like a lot of us do because it's the biggest platform. And I, for a while, I was overjoyed. I was so happy. I was like, wow, I can actually say what I want. I can report the truth on this platform and people will support me and, you know, become a channel member, donate uh, $10 a month or whatever to show right. that they appreciate that. And, and I love that feeling, Eric, that I was working for the people. For the first time in my life, I'm not working for a corporation and yeah. I'm working for the people, right? And then when YouTube turns off your microphone, it's like you're back working in the mainstream media again. You have to please the corporate sponsors of YouTube. You have to please the brass upstairs. And so I feel like I'm right back where I started and it's so frustrating. Um, I hope that people will continue to support me on Rumble and even though, I mean, I had a lot of channel members on YouTube with my channel gone, all those memberships are canceled. So I hope you guys will support me. Uh, you can go to my website. There's a way to support me on a monthly basis or just a one-time donation, but every little bit helps. And it's, it's what keeps me going. This is literally my job. So you yeah. guys are my boss and you pay my paycheck and you pay <laughs> Eric's paycheck. So if you, if you appreciate what we're trying to do, I hope you will support us. Thanks. Yeah, no, absolutely, Laurie. And everybody listening and, and watching, definitely, I'll, I'll include all the links in this too. I'll update anything that I missed. Um, but I, I'm on Instagram and I, that's exactly it, Laurie. I put this in my story today because I did, uh, very excited. I got a new patron last night, $10 a month patron. Um, she just, she saw my work on RFK and my interview. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's a really good feeling. And it's a great feeling. So I put it on my stories. I say, become a patron. And then I say, why should I become a monthly patron to Jackman Radio? And I said, you becoming a monthly patron gives you direct access to me. So if you DM me on anything, I will respond. Because I do get a lot of DMs from people, like random stuff and reels. And if I don't really know you personally, or if you're not a patron, I don't, I'm not going to give it too much of attention. Um, you'll get input on the questions that I ask in this podcast. You'll get input on the guests that I book. You can suggest a guest, someone you'd like to see my brother and I talk to. Um, you will be able to then request impersonation uh, videos that my I brother love and that I you do. do that. Yeah, <laughs> from uh, you know, you, something, you get something from Jesse Ventura from Minnesota. <laughs> you could get a message from Donald Trump while he's taking a crap on a golden toilet at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Or you could, you could get a, a, a brisket gram. It's a it's a video of Alex Jones eating brisket down in the Lone Star State, uh, watching season one of True Detective, and uh, eating brisket and wishing you a happy birthday. Uh, I thought I thought chili was Alex's favorite. Well, he loves brisket too, but does he? Yeah, loves that greasy chili, baby, and no beans because I think, it's a I Texas I, thing. I, I ate a bad batch of chili. I had temporary uh, psychosis right. about Sandy Hook. That's what it was. I didn't say that it wasn't real. I just said it didn't happen, Lori. Okay, Infowars.com. <laughs> Um, then I said, uh, so you can get a nice, fun greeting from my brother and I, a request. And I, and I do that. I have a patron, uh, my friend Ron Well. Uh, he's probably watching. Ron Well, I want to give you a shout out. 
um, he'll just hit me up because he became a $10 a month patron. He has carte blanche to DM me and say, hey, Eric, can you please record a birthday greeting for my friend's mom as Jesse Ventura? And he'll give me a couple of the the talking points. I'll get a good skit going. And then I'll just cut like a 30-second minute long video for him and send it to him. That's and so great. That brings me You just so gave much... me an idea for my for a birthday gift for somebody I know would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hire you. Lori, I'd be happy to take some time out of chilling in the Baja. I'm down there <laughs> raising a farm of capybaras. I'll take some time away from the capybara farming and record a message for you, Lori, because I love you. Um, so, great. so yeah, you'll get that from my brother and I, and then also you will feel good knowing that you're supporting independent creators who give a damn and want to entertain and inform you. This is so, our passion. This is, yeah. this is our life guys. This is, uh, yeah. we're trying to save the country. We're not doing this for money. Money helps. Money's well, nice. You can't get far in life without it. It's but. a tool. It's, it's a tool and a means to do this and to reach more people, um, and to connect with more people and, I want to get on more planes. I want to fly people to New Hampshire. I want to fly to where the action is, where people are, where conferences are. I want to hire my friend to be my videographer. I want to hire a professional photographer to come with me. I want to have a team, but I want to pay them. And the people I do have that work for me when we do these shoots, obviously I pay them, but that's where the money comes from. It comes from the pa patrons. So exactly. Just had exactly. to get that little plug in there and talk about that. So hmm. you said you worked for mainstream media, Lori. So yeah, uh, you know, just, I, I don't know a lot about your background from before. So what, what was the, your, your experiences before and how did you get into go down this path in life? Well, you know, I've been at this for 35 years. I started when I was 17. Um, I was still a freshman in college when I got my first job working for a local newspaper here, the daily Oklahoman. And I was also state capital reporter for KEBC Radio. And that's how I got my start in media. So I always worked in pretty much local media. So if you're not from Oklahoma, probably never heard of me before last year. Uh, I never really tried to go independent or reach out to an uh, international audience. But for most of my life, I did radio. Radio is my passion. I also write. Um, and I've been blogging for 13 years, and I do have a blog out there where you can check out my work. Um, but yeah, everyone was doing the YouTube thing, right? That was, that was the new thing that the kids are doing. So even though I never did television and I don't have a face for TV, I got a face Wrong. for radio. You, you do, Lloyd. You're very beautiful. Excuse <laughs> me. Let me interject there. You're very beautiful. Okay. You remind me of Ivanka. Very beautiful. <laughs> Would Trump rate me a six or a seven? Or oh, I would say an eleven. She's easy. She's easily Ooh. eleven. She's an eleven, Howard. She is. Oh, I love her. you're just She's kissing beautiful. my ass now. Stop. Beautiful. Did you ever see that when him and Howard Stern, the old Trump interviews? Yes. He would do Howard back in the '90s, and he was like, yeah. he's never going to be president. He, he wouldn't. He was never even going to really run. And Howard would show up a big blow-up picture of all the girls that Trump had slept with, and that's right. Like, what about this one? I would say she's probably a five. But I lied and told her she was a six at Studio 54. Ooh, man. Okay, so yeah, sorry, I go That's off the rails. Based. So you're, <laughs> yeah, Lori, based. Lori Spencer's based. You're based. <laughs> um, so you're in Oklahoma, and you worked for the Capitol newspaper there, and you said you did radio. Um, yeah. So is that what you went to school for, or journalism? Yeah, I went to kind the of. University of Oklahoma. Also, I lived in Austin, Texas for 25 years, and finished my schooling at the University of Texas at Austin. So I have divided loyalties when the big football game comes around every year okay. between OU and Texas. It's this really, 
intense rivalry. I just shut the hell up that weekend. I go out of town and turn off my phone. Nice. Yeah. So Oklahoma, you get to Texas, you're in Austin for 25 years. And that was one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about. So I assume that's Austin is where you hooked up or got to know about Alex Jones. And uh, what, what year was that, that you first met Alex Jones and then talk about how you got into that world and, and how you came to know who he was. Gosh, I remember Alex as a young and he was very young. I think he was probably 24, 25 years old when we first met. Um, he was just starting out in radio. I was uh, working at a radio station. Get this. The call letters were KLBJ. Oh. That's the big uh, talk radio station down there in Austin, KLBJ. And it was actually owned by Lyndon Johnson and his family. Uh, interestingly enough, it was the only radio station I ever worked at where the Secret Service was in the hallways. Wow. You know, anytime the Johnson family was in the building, when Lady Bird or uh, Lucy Johnson were in the building, we'd always have the men in black standing around in the hallways. It was crazy working at a radio station with Secret <laughs> Service everywhere. Um, so I was at KLBJ, and there was a competitor talk station across town called KJFK. Oh, wow. So you get the whole JFK, LBJ <laughs> thing, right? That, that's some craziness. And that's how Alex got started. He started out on this radio station, KJFK. So in the beginning, we kind of met through uh, radio and we were competitors. And then I was also spending a lot of time down at our local cable TV public access station. Uh, Austin Access Cable Television, one of the best in the country um, before the internet, mind you. This is back in the 90s when the only free speech platform was your local public access TV station, right? That's where you'd find a lot of political stuff that you'd never see on ABC or CNN or Fox. Um, so Alex had a show, like a, a, and it was called InfoWars back then. It was the beginning of InfoWars, and he started it on cable access television. But back then, Alex was young and skinny. and Oh, he was totally Chad. Yeah. I was a bodybuilder, Laura. I had nice blonde hair. I was a bodybuilder. It's true. Yeah. Oh, no. I've seen him. Absolutely he was, true. I mean, he was a thirst back in the day. Young Emmerich is, don't sleep on that. There's some great, <laughs> great photos of, of him from back in the day. There so you are. probably, it was at about 91 or 92 you first met him? Oh, no. Been? This would have been like 96, 97 okay. around there. 96. Okay. So I guess you'd say I've known him more than a quarter century. And I, I watched Alex evolve, you know, from a, a local guy on public access television to, uh, the story that really made him famous was when he and his cameraman, Mike Hansen, went out to the Bohemian Grove. That was in the year 2000, and they snuck in with a secret camera and recorded the cremation of care ceremony. You Dark guys have secrets. probably seen that. Dark secrets. And I, went in there. I blew the thing wide open, Lori, okay? I blew the thing open. I brought in a camera guy. I went, right. the, I went to the hillbilly cabin. I had a bunch of gay Republicans trying to solicit me for sex. They wanted me to make them chilly, topless, wearing a coconut bra with Henry Kissinger. I said, no, I will not submit to Satan. You, you Obviously, you're familiar with that film because you just oh, quoted Lori, it perfectly. I, uh, so, you know, that was, you know, that was the gateway for me. So, like, yeah. late high school. I graduated high school in 2005. Um, and I was still a normie, John Kerry Democrat uh, at that point. Um, 
I supported him and volunteered on his campaign, got him to come to my high school, all that good stuff. And I started, and plus I was I was into researching 9-11 because I had an uncle who was telling me all about how 9-11 was fishy and you should look into it. And that was like the pipeline to Alex Jones. So that's probably 04, 05 when I first heard about Alex Jones. And there's that great clip of him at the Republican National Convention mm. in 04 in New York where he mm. gets in David Gergen's face. He goes, yeah. Mr. Gergen, Mr. Gergen. And uh, he, goes, he goes, you know, that. yeah, he asked him a couple softballs to get him engaged. And he goes, well, what are you doing up at the Bohemian Grove? Weeping spiders coming out of here. And, he, and Gergen's like, you you were there with an understanding not to say anything. He's like, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. You know, Emmerich, he plays cutesy with him. And uh, he's like, that's ambush journalism. And I don't respect you for this. I remember. And that's when I was like, dude, this oh, Alex Jones guy is off the it charts. It was beautiful. It was awesome. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. So that's the old, that's the Emmerich. The, uh, that my brother and I, you know, really first fell in love with and got to know. And that's and, where and Luke Radowski got his start. You know, he's big are, now because he's on Tim Cast. We are change. Cool. My brother and I have known he Luke started Radowski with we are change. since 06. Yeah. I remember, I remember him when he was a 9-11 truth activist and getting in the face of all the politicians. My brother yeah. and I did that here in New Hampshire with our friend. Um, when we were in college, we would, we would bring a camera and ask them questions about the Iraq war and a new 9-11 investigation and stuff like that. So, we were doing that while Luke was doing it in New York um, and all around. But and that was in the early days of the internet. So when a video went viral back then, I mean, it really, really went viral. Yeah. Oh, it, it blew up for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are my like those are my earliest uh, memories of Emmerich. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I followed him through college, and then he he really reached. I mean, for those who knew independent news or off the beaten path stuff. Everyone knows Alex Jones, but he really reached critical mass with the 2016 election and becoming, you know, the huge Trump booster he was and teaming up with Roger Stone um, and getting in there. So um, I know I went off track there. So you, you ended up though meeting him and then working for him officially. Like you worked for Infowars. What was your job? I did not work for InfoWars. I did some work, some contract work for Alex, did some okay. ghostwriting and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, and so I've spent hours and hours and hours with Alex off camera doing not just interviews, but social time. You know, yeah. we did a lot. We have a lot of drinks together back in the day. And let me tell you, Alex is a funny, funny guy. When you get a couple of drinks in Alex, he's so much fun to hang out with. Whether you love or hate Alex Jones, trust me, if you sat down with him and had a beer with him, or two, or three, you would come out hugging him at the end and going, I love you, man. You know, I mean, he's a really, really fun guy. And uh, I'm glad to see that he's survived the Sandy Hook business. Um, and I hope that he survives the bankruptcy proceedings. I hope he can continue to keep InfoWars going because we really you need what he does that's you know? you know that's really well said Lori, and and that's always been my posture on alex jones is if you are a true believer in the first amendment and i mean jesse ventura says this first amendment don't exist to protect popular speech it's there that's to right. protect things that are unpopular and shouldn't be said but need to be said Lori. And, and you know uh, ron paul says pretty much the same thing he his take on it was we don't have the first amendment so we can talk about the weather that's right. We have the First Amendment, so we can talk yeah. about controversial things. 
Yeah, and we're adults here. And look, Alex Jones, he does what he does. He's also an entertainer. He's one of the greatest showmen who ever lived. Yes, he is. And that's why I think he was so big on Trump, because he saw a lot of what he had been doing for so long. And now Trump was doing it. That's Um, a great observation and very, very true. Yeah, you got to admire the the pitch men, you know, like Billy Mays and OxyClean meets, you know, um, (laughs) Glengarry Ross, like a used car salesman, multi-level real estate salesman. (laughs) <laughs> with a reality TV uh, clown thrown in there. And it's just the greatest show on earth. And yet um, there's so much truth packed in well, there with all that comedy. That's what and I was. All the absurdity. There's real truth to be found. It, it, there is. And, and the, the uh, surrealist absurdism and sounding like you're totally off your rocker. A lot of times those are the people pay attention to what those people are saying. Right. Because they they behind that facade. And I, I had I did this with my Trump act when I would dress like Trump and go in front of crowds of people and, and do stuff. There's there's that front facade. But behind that, there's years and years of real research and, and real consideration and thought about geopolitics, about history, um, about, you know, the hidden history of our country and the right. world and the way foreign policy works. And when you when you are an outrageous personality like a Donald Trump. Uh, or an Alex Jones, you get attention. And when you have that attention, it's what you say and do uh, that matters. And of course, Alex didn't get it right all the time. And he said a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. And then that's why he got uh, sued over Sandy Hook. Oops. And, you know, he went on Rogan, he did the medical, but look, I, I, you know, I apologize for it. Okay. I wasn't the only one who was talking about it. But just for, for that one, that one thing that's going to totally destroy everything that he's ever done or said, I that's think that's, that, I think that's absurd. And you shouldn't apply that to anybody in your life. We think about your own friends and your family in your life when they, I don't know, said something outrageous or had a, had a spell or something happened, you know, you're going to just forsake them and, and uh, abandon them. Now, look, I, I'm critical of Alex Jones. A lot of the stuff he said about nine 11, you know, was sensational and led people on a wild goose chase. Um, because when you get people who haven't done 20 years of research into something like 9-11, and they're just, their entryway is Alex Jones talking about just building seven and just controlled demolitions and just a missile at the Pentagon. Uh, to me, that's leading them down a bad path. So I, I would love to see, I would love, there's some people I would love to see Alex talk to, um, specifically about 9-11. My friend, Adam Fitzgerald, who is, in my opinion, one of the greatest living 9-11 researchers that we have. This guy just spends hours and hours going through actual documents, going through court dispositions, uh, you know, reviewing old videos. I mean, he's he is a, a living encyclopedia of knowledge about yeah. 9-11. And, um, Funny and of course, story. <laughs> if I can share this story, you'll like sure. this. On 9-11-2001, um, I was listening to Alex Jones. Live on the GCN radio network, I will never forget that day when I when I saw the planes go into the towers. I was watching Fox or CNN or something, and and I thought, oh, it's that time of day. Alex is on the air, right? I got to turn on the radio and see what the hell Alex yeah. Jones has to say about this, because I remember two months, about two and a half months before 9-11, Alex basically predicted it. And I don't know if you've ever seen the video, but it was on his local cable access TV show. And it was in July of 2001. I was watching that day. And he said, uh, 
there's going to be a major terror attack in the United States and they're going to blame it on bin Laden. Boom. And then two and a half months later, it happened. So I remembered that. When I saw it happen, I was like, holy crap, Alex told us about this. So I tuned in and I listened. And, you know, Alex was just free-forming it. He was on the air just kind of describing what he saw. And, you know, I went back and listened to that broadcast again not long ago. It's really amazing how much he got right. I mean, he didn't get everything right. You couldn't expect, I mean, the mainstream media made all kinds of goofs on 9-11. Remember they said that, uh, that the State Department had been bombed and all this phony stuff that didn't happen based on rumors and, you know, not information that was hard information. Um, but Alex really got it mostly right that day. And it's a broadcast that I will never forget. It's a historic broadcast and everybody ought to go listen to it. It's out there. Oh, yeah. Yep. I've seen that. I've seen where he talked about a boogeyman being blamed for these attacks. Yeah. And then on the day of, he said, call the White House, tell them we know it was them. We know this is going to be a pretext for all-out invasion and overthrow of regimes in Iraq. And He was middle, right. The, the Middle East. That's, no, that's was, what happened. I know. He was <laughs> He was right on about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, like, I don't want to tell Alex Jones how to do a show, but I just, you know, this is what I try to do, and I can control my little show here, is to be very judicious about the information that I put out right. about things like 9-11, um, about these big events, because it's so easy to just go for the most sensational stuff and then that'll become the gospel. And then that, that kind of takes away from really serious, um, intense researchers who dedicate their lives to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And See, I, that's where Alex and I parted ways, right? There, yeah. So you just so, said, yeah. So what years did you, did you do the, the freelance work for him till, well, I, I I got to know Alex. We started to become pretty good friends around the year 2000. Okay. Um, and that, I did work with him on and off until 2009, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so at the exact same time that I was working with Alex Jones, at the same time, in 2007 and eight, I was also working with Robert Kennedy, this guy right here. And I was trying to convince Bobby to run for president. We did a draft Kennedy campaign, you know, after eight years of Bush, Hmm. I, I even then felt that Bobby Kennedy was the best guy for the job to save America. And so I, I pestered the hell out of Kennedy in 2007 and eight, um, trying to get him into the primary race. He didn't want to do it back then. And he had good reasons. You know, when I look back now, I, I realized the time just wasn't right. Um, his kids were still pretty young. He still had kids at home. And when you consider how his father was taken from him mm. when he was 14 years old, you know, Bobby comes from a huge family. They had 11 kids. Bobby and Ethel had 11 children. And all of those kids grew up without their dad. And a couple of them have no memories at all of their father. Yeah, um, Carrie, mm-hmm. Carrie Kennedy was born afterwards, correct? That's right. She was yeah. in her mother's belly she was in when, the womb when that happened. Ambassador. That's right. Yeah, that, that's that's a point I'm trying to drive home to people that, you know, his, imagine, I think I said this when I did your show, that 
losing a parent is is horrible. It's horrific at any age, you know. And unfortunately, I've gone through with my father. I lost my father at the age of thirty. Uh, he was sixty-one. He died of brain cancer. Uh, the same. Same thing that got Ted Ted Kennedy. Glioblastoma, which Ted Kennedy died from. John McCain and uh, Biden's uh, other son there, uh, Bo. Yeah. So that is is just a horrible traumatizing thing to go through but imagine going through it at the age of 14 your father is killed like rfk is killed on the world stage running for president and then in front of the whole world you have to, you're a 14 year old boy and you have to show this kind of poise and strength and inner courage that you don't even know where you could get it from but somehow you did and right. he did he did that as a pallbearer for his father at arlington and then he accompanied the train from penn station to DC when they finally laid him to rest. And I always, whenever I hear RFK Jr. talk about that, I, I get a little misty eyed and I choke it gets up. Me I, too. I think about that train and the procession and all the Americans um, that came out to over 2 million Americans came out to say their goodbyes um, to him. So, and do that, you know that people died on those train tracks? Uh, there were so many people on the tracks. I don't know if you know this story. Um, I think it was two people. They were standing on the tracks where they shouldn't be, oh, and another another train coming another direction hit and killed a couple oh, of people. Geez. So that only compounded oh, the, the national tragedy the, that everyone, the, the sadness, sadness that everyone felt. Yeah. So yeah. those kind of things—that's extraordinary. Those are extraordinary circumstances and happenings in your life to have happen to you. First, it's your uncle who was president, who's killed when you're, you know, not quite ten nine years old. Right. So you have that trauma. And then five years later, it's your father seeking that office. And then you have to go through that whole process with the whole world watching you. So is it any wonder that he fell into drugs? Like the following that's what year? It, that's, you know 15. what? And look, people say all the shit they want to say about Hunter Biden and he does crack and he does this. That guy was born into this world. He was born into his father being a power hungry Senator Joe Biden from Delaware and it's the life in the world that he was born into. And I don't know what that world's like, mm. you know, like mm. what, what goes on when you're a young child, what you see, what might happen to you, what kind of people you're around. Um, we can't know. even imagine. No. Yeah. I mean, you can a little bit, but, you know, there's a reason. There's a reason that they turn to drugs like this. There's, a, there's, there's reasons for it. But what's the difference between Hunter Biden and Bobby Kennedy? Hunter Biden never got sober. Bobby well, Kennedy's been sober for 40 years. And stood on his own two feet. Yeah. Got, he was a heroin out. addict, you know, for 14 years. Yeah. And yeah. he owns that. Oh, yeah. Um, no one's going to be able to throw that at him and, and you know, use that against him because he, he owned it. He's been sober a long, long time. And he's got all his marbles, you know, clearly. He's, yeah, he's, he's a sharp dude. All right. He's a sharp dude. So how did you, so what year did you meet him? How did you come to meet RFK Jr.? I met Bobby in 2007 when he visited Texas and uh, we started a correspondence and, and of course he frequently would go on speaking tours. So he would come to Texas and Oklahoma fairly often. I would meet up with him in various cities, Austin, Dallas, Houston, Oklahoma City. And every time I came with that petition, we had a petition drive to draft Kennedy for president and that just kept gaining signatures. So the petition would get longer and longer and longer. And every time I'd, 
every time I'd see him, I'd bring him that petition and just shove it in his face and say, look, we're serious. We're yeah. not joking. This isn't an internet. We, we didn't even have memes back then. So it's not a meme. <laughs> it's a for meme real. Party. This is a right. real petition. These are real people who really want you to run for president. And we talked about it. Um, you know, of course, his primary concern was his children. Yeah. Because he didn't want to be an absentee dad. He wanted to be there as a father for his children. And God forbid, had the worst happened, his kids would have grown up the same way he grew up. And he's got six kids. So it yeah. was it's, uh, Bobby the third. Is that his oldest son, his oldest mm -hmm. kid? who's married to Amaryllis there, the former CIA mm -hmm. officer right. that some people get their panties in a bunch mm -hmm. over. I, I, I say, look, John Kariaku is a friend of mine. I've had hung mm -hmm. out with him. several. I've known him for years. John's a good man. Um, and he's a good man. He's a patriotic American. He's a good man. He worked for the CIA for 14 years. Um, there, there's good, there's good people who work in intelligence. And look what they did to him for telling right. the truth. Right. He served three years in federal prison. Yeah. Yeah. He went away and he wrote his book there, Doing Time Like a Spy. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've had him on the podcast a couple of times and I've had dinners with him. And um, he's just he's just a cool guy. You know, if I have a question about something or I have a thought like when um, uh, what's that, that one of the Al Qaeda dudes was captured or said to have been killed in Pakistan last year. Was that? Marwan Al Shahi, or no, that was one of the hijackers. I Trying cannot to... think of his name. We covered it on Maverick News the day it happened, and now I'm having Al's, a Al Zawahiri. Um, Al Zawahiri, I believe. Yeah. Al, Al Zawahiri. Hmm. So initially, there there was like a um, you know bounty on that dude's head, like you know, State Department a had long a time million dollars, twenty years, something like that. So I would text John and be like, John, let's get a team together and go find him. We can get that 10 million, man. I want that money. <laughs> so when the day they announced that he got killed, I texted him. I was like, holy shit, man, someone, someone just made some money or they took his body off of ice and brought it out and said, oh, look, we got him. We killed him. And we don't, we don't really yeah, know. Yeah. Didn't we kill him two or three we times? Well, that, yeah. He's the guy who died a bunch of times. We don't know the truth. Of that <laughs> you stuff. only die twice. Yeah. But <laughs> it's a new bomb my, film. Right. Exactly. But my point is, you know, this, this idea that every person who's, worked in intelligence or for the CIA, they're just all evil, horrible people who hate us is not true. And Ray but McGovern they work is for what I consider to be an evil organization. Well, you, that's, that's the next part is the, the agenda that they serve and the, the policy that is crafted around keeping that beast alive mm. is the rub and where the problem is. That's so right. Bobby's talking about doing something about that. Yeah. But what, you know, I mean, that's a tough, tough question. And yeah, you, you're not, you're not going to go in there. Yeah, you're not going to go in there yeah. and snap your fingers and get rid of the national security state. Well, and this is a point. You know, I don't agree with Bobby on everything. Um, I'm a, obviously I'm very happy that he's in the race. I support him 100. percent But you're not going to agree 100 percent, 100 percent of the time with everyone. And I, I do disagree with him when he says that he believes he can reform uh, the CIA, that he can restructure the CIA and take it back to the original idea, which was just to collect intelligence, to do intelligence gathering. And, um, you know, his uncle, John F. Kennedy, had a similar notion after the Bay of Pigs. Now, his first instinct, you know what they say, Eric, 
always trust your first instinct because it's always the right one. When you start overthinking things, that's when you make an error. After the Bay of Pigs, Kennedy's first instinct was to smash the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the four winds. Right. I wish he would have listened to his gut and done just that, but somebody talked him out of it. And so he thought, well, maybe I can fix the CIA if I just fire this guy, this guy, and this guy, right? So he gets rid of Alan Dulles, Cavill. Richard Bissell, Bissell, and Earl Cabell. Uh, Charles Cabell, sorry. Earl, Earl, Earl was the mayor of Dallas. Who Earl was, strategically, was mayor of Dallas. Strategically placed in Dallas. Mm. And we didn't find out that until 2017 yep, that Earl Cabell was a CIA agent CIA himself. Guy. Yep, yeah. Trump's like, at long last, the Kennedy files. Mm -hmm. And Earl Cabell, Chunky Soup, was an asset. He was. <laughs> he was an asset, Laurie. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, exactly. Ref me. <laughs> reforming the CIA, getting rid of the CIA. I mean, how does mm -hmm. that even work? Because they are, they are become, they, their tentacles are in everything. Yep. And they've, be they've become this Frankenstein and this thing that, your average person and even someone like me who's read deeply into them can't even really grasp or comprehend how deep and far reaching they are into things and right. into the things we won't even know about until years and years later, if someone slips up or something gets out. Um, well, you know, when Kennedy didn't get rid of the CIA during his presidency, it's what cost him his life. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, of course they knew he was not their friend and they turned their guns on him. And then his brother. So when Bobby says he thinks he can fix it, yeah. I'm thinking, no, dude, the only way to fix it is to abolish, abolish the CIA. It. But then people say, oh, wait, what would we do without a CIA? Because somebody has to gather intelligence. And I'm like, well, how do you think we managed to survive as a country prior to 1947? We won two world wars without a CIA. And, you know, the CIA has stirred up every single world war, not world war, every war since 1947. And how did we do in those wars? We lost them based on faulty intelligence from the CIA. So yeah. the way we did it, and Ron Paul, my guy, Ron Paul, I'm a Ron Paul libertarian. Ron oh, yeah. Paul has literally been saying for more than 40 years that we should abolish the CIA and go back to the way that we gathered intelligence prior to 1947, like which was military intelligence. Yeah. You had army, you had navy, you had well, you know plenty of intelligence gathering apparatus well, within the military. Someone out, someone out to the mob too. That's what the OSS did. They worked worked a lot Again, with the mob. That's the CIA. That, that's who you. Well, exactly. They're interchangeable. I mean, Bobby said that in the interview. He said, mm -hmm. "I don't know that my father fully grasped how in concert the CIA and the mafia were." And how that you know how they are until um, it was too late. Until it was too late, but right. yeah, I mean Truman wrote that letter just after JFK got got killed about our intelligence agencies and how out of control he felt they got. Um, I, it's a funny uh, CIA stands for Cocaine Import Agency. <laughs> that's, that's that's a good that's a good a lot acronym. of truth in that. Yeah, Barry Seal talked to Barry. We would talk to Barry Seal, but uh, he's quite unreachable right now, Laurie, where he is unavailable a, for he comment. Had a, he had a very tough time, and when they found him, he had Poppy Bush's personal number on him. Think about that. 
Think about that. <laughs> Man. But I think, you know, it's it's not such a far stretch for a lot of people now to understand what our intelligence agencies do um, and how black operations are funded and, and <laughs> drugs. Drugs don't just come into our country through the border. And this you have this cartoon image in your mind of El Chapo with a with a bunch of coyotes and just schlepping it over the border. You know, it's it's a lot uh, it's a lot bigger than that. Well, and the CIA isn't supposed to operate on American soil at all. And yet yeah. we know they do. Yeah. We know that they interfere with our elections. We know that they have plenty of assets inside our mainstream media controlling mm. the media narrative that we see. And, and the way I look at it, this is my personal opinion as someone who's worked in the media for 35 years, is that it's a PSYOP. It's a continuation of MK Ultra without the LSD, yeah. but they use the television, the media, the narrative oh, control to confuse us, yeah. right? To keep us so confused well, they, that that everyone's gone nuts. Yeah. Well, we have been planted in us from the moment we're born. We're in front of a screen, mm -hmm. and when you dig into that a little bit, uh, my buddy Sean Stone, uh, Oliver's son, mm -hmm. I've had him on the show a couple times. Sean's cool. Yeah, during his time as at RT, he he produced a banger of a of a documentary about the intelligence yes. inside of Hollywood and the yeah. media, and how they influence these movies, and how Zero Dark Thirty is essentially a Langley production, That's and right. Catherine Bigelow does the the bidding of the seventh floor at Langley, yep. and you want to get access to these military hardware and, and 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 all this stuff for your movies well you're going to put this in your movie and this is what's this guy's going to consult on the script with you and you know movies like the farm with al pacino you know that that's what they sell to us mm -hmm. they sell that to us and then that becomes our reality jason Bourne, that becomes our reality when the reality of it is 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 dark his really. father taught him well didn't he oliver taught him very yes. well yes yeah. You know, there's actually, speaking of Hollywood, occasionally a good movie manages to slip through the cracks. It's very rare that Hollywood actually does a truthful film about the intelligence community. But there's a film that was made back in 1997 by Mel Gibson. And if you haven't seen it, no matter what you think of Mel Gibson, I hope that everyone will go watch it. It's called Conspiracy Theory. And it's a Brilliant, brilliant film. There's so much truth in that film. Richard Donner. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It was Richard I'm a, Donner. I'm yeah. a big, big fan of uh, that movie. Patrick Stewart's in it. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah right. You you watch that movie, and if if you have have some foundational knowledge and research about uh, mind control and the the nature of of the media and the the <laughs> You're like, whoa! They did. They did get some shit in here. They got. They got some yeah. stuff in here for sure. And of course, they had to make the protagonist Jerry Mel Gibson's character look crazy. Woo -hoo. Oh yeah, he's nuts. Total, he's crazy. Total but by the bar. end of the movie, you realize he was right all along, and he wasn't yeah. crazy. No, yeah, no. But I, we're firmly team Mel. Mel Gibson is. He's a base lord. Uh, he's been inside the belly of the beast. That's and, right. And uh, yeah, he's 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 running into some turbulence. He had some turbulence in his career, you know. Did he, did he get drunk on tequila on on the the highway coast there and then go off on the Jewish people? Yeah, he did do that, you know. And he, he apologized for that. He felt well, he bad. learned a lot from his father, he, which wasn't necessarily good. Uh, ooh, yeah, wasn't that. his father like the, the fire and brimstone Catholic offshoot? Yes. Yeah, 
Yeah. They don't believe in Vatican II and all that. Yeah, they're they're but you know, they're welcome to their beliefs. We well, have freedom that's it. of speech they, and freedom yeah, of religion well, in America. Exactly. Exactly. Does it doesn't take away from the fact that he's Braveheart, that he's William mm-hmm. Wallace. One of the greatest actors of our time. Riggs in all four lethal weapons and possibly a fifth one that he'll direct. Hopefully, did God the greatest will. Hamlet I've ever seen too. Oh, Hamlet! That he was a, that was a total banger in Hamlet. Well, you and, know, uh, I think of Bobby Kennedy oftentimes as Hamlet, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's actually kind of a that's scary. That's a scary parallel. Mm, it is, it is. But there yes. are parallels, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. We did Hamlet in high school. I played the grave digger. It was one of my favorite. Did you? One of my favorite productions. Um, Love Shakespeare. Read yeah. Shakespeare. Well, yeah, Gibson. Gibson's going to rattle cages again with the resurrection of the Christ with Jim Caviezel. Mm. And I'm a, I'm a huge Jim Caviezel fan. You know, he he, he waded into the QAnon waters. He definitely did. And you know what? That's his right. That's his right to do that if he wants to. That's right. You but know, that's he, one of the things that Kennedy says, and he can't say it loud enough for me, is that it's okay. The, the First Amendment protects misinformation and disinformation and malinformation. All those things the government is trying to outlaw and remove yeah. from the internet, what the government tells you is misinformation, yeah. even if it's wrong, even if it's factually well, inaccurate. We're, we're adults here. We have brains. We can, we can use we're, discernment. We, yeah. I, I, can hear, I can hear horrible things. It's okay. It's not going to hurt that my feelings. Right there is the whole point of the lawsuit that Bobby's bringing against the Biden administration right now. And he's suing 106 people in the Biden administration. He's suing the FBI. He's suing the DHS. He's suing agencies and individuals, including President Biden. And the point that he's making is the, the First Amendment rights of every American have been violated, not just in what we are not allowed to say, but what the American people are not being allowed to hear or to read. Not only does the First Amendment protect our right to speak false information, perhaps, or wrong information, but also to receive whatever the hell we want. If you want to listen to Alex Jones, you should have the right to listen to Alex Jones wherever you want to listen. Yeah, um, that, that should be your right. Free, the government doesn't society. define reality for us. Right. That's that's draconian. I said last night that uh, I said in a tweet that we live in Nazi Germany and it's not an exaggeration to say that. Now, we're not in 1945 Nazi Germany yet where they're, you know, killing millions of people. So you're saying we're Weimar right now. We're a we are old. in 1936 Nazi Germany. Oh, OK. So we're past Weimar. We're past Weimar. Weimar. We're well am, on the road to hell. Weimar, Weimar, Volkswagen. <laughs> I love the Autobahn. The Autobahn is so well built, Lori. They did such a, they were under budget and ahead of schedule with the Autobahn. Okay. They did, they did an incredible job. All those, those German engineers, they're great guys. That's why we did the paperclip. We brought them over on the paperclip Mayflower. Okay. They were on the Mayflower paperclip and then they built the rocket V2. Werner von Braun did a great job. He did, quite frankly, did a great job. <laughs> Great guy. Very good friend of my family's. Very good oh, friend of the Trumps. Gosh, I'm trying so hard to be serious and I can't <laughs> with you. I know. Well, that's that's what we do here, Lori. We mix in and out of surreal, absurd oh. and serious because if you 
obviously you go hard on this stuff. You go hard on this stuff for so long, it will crack you up and make you a little like, oh my God. That's right. So it's a good release. We need the too. levity or we'd lose our minds. We right? have to honk in clown world. We have to be honk pills. Honk, honk. Um, but yeah, Jim Caviezel, he has the courage of his convictions. And I, I love that he's openly Christian and that pisses off a lot of people. Um, and I'm personally not really a religious guy, but over the last probably four or five years, I've really like, I just, I prefer that way of life, like, like culturally Christian or socially Christian or whatever you want to call it. I align with, with a lot of what they believe in, like strong families, mm-hmm. build up your community, be charitable, be kind to everybody, be generous. Um, and our civilization was built on traditions and was built on roles of families and what people did in families. And we've just seen such a complete perversion and inversion of that, that I'm like, holy crap, man. I, for, for when I was younger, I'll admit it, I, I was, I mocked religious people and kind of, you know, we fought with each other and argued and, you know, some, some of them I didn't, I felt like they were judgy. Um, but, but in but, America, you should have the freedom to do well, just we have that. The free, we have the freedom to do that. But yeah. I think what happened was, was I ended up kind of falling into that like new atheist cult. And that's a religion of its of itself. Or Richard mm-hmm. Dawkins and Hitchens and Dennett, they're all your godheads. And you buy their books. And those are your Bibles. And you give them their money. So you end up getting into the thing that you purport to be against and hate. So, right. um you know, we've all matured. We've matured, Laurie. Okay, I've matured a lot. I've, I've done, I'm not I've so done. sure Trump has matured. Isn't he still a seven-year-old boy? He's regressed. Actually, Barron is more, <laughs> more, has, mature, than is more mature than the Donald. <laughs> um, but I True. like that Caviezel is not afraid. Uh, and, and anybody who has a big platform is, you know, if they're Christian or whatever they are, if they're religious, they're they're pushing back against the insanity that that is happening in our culture and our society and the, the, the complete debasement of Western civilization. And it's playing, it's playing out right now. And it's just more and more cartoonish with each passing news cycle. You got this, you got this dude sashing around trying to sell you Bud Light. And then now we've got, we got the bathing suits. We got the, the, uh, uh, the Leah Thomas line of bathing suits at target. And they got, they got the ball. They got the, uh, the binga banga boonga patch down there. And you're looking at this like, what, what the hell? What the hell is going on? And the, and the people who are the loudest and the bravest pushing back against this are Christians or people with families who have young kids who do not want their children to be subjected to this bullshit. Right. So I don't have a wife and kids in a family. So I, I, I have a limited like, uh, you know, dog in the fight. The, my friends who have families who go to public schools, who go shopping at these places, who are watching children's programming stuff they have a dog in this fight and and this is what's happening to their children right now and they're pushing back on it and now they have a presidential candidate as of today in ron DeSantis, right he's the culture war guy oh meatball is at the tip of the spear of (laughs) of the culture war he spent most of his announcement today talking about culture war issues and I was sitting there as a reporter, you know, I think every reporter in America was on that Twitter space today and it took yeah. 20 minutes to get the damn thing working. And then yeah. once it finally did start working, it was softball questions, as you might expect. And it seems like everybody wanted to ask him about gay sex and indoctrination. <laughs> and I'm like, for goodness sake, can we talk about some real issues? Finally, somebody asked debt. about the border. Yeah, I'm like, oh, good. Finally, we get a real, a real issue. It's here. like, well, how about the border of Disneyland to your kids? Let's talk about that border. Right? That's a border we gotta fortify with the woke agenda. It's like it's just, it's just cartoonish. 
it is. I think, I think it just made is, me more intensely, you know, know entrenched our, in the Kennedy Bobby, camp. Yeah, our Bobby. I, I feel I know very I'm in the right place. I feel very protective of Bobby now. I feel me very too. Protective Always of have. Um, we have to physically encircle this man and make sure he stays safe. I mean, he's got great security. Um, I've been very impressed with how they handle security at his public events. He's got a big event coming up in San Diego Diego. Monday, Memorial Day, and it's JFK's birthday, which I think is so cool that he's doing this, uh, you know, kickoff. 1917. Speaking of Kennedy, do you do a JFK impression? Well, what we do is this quarantine with Cuba. I knew it. I here that I inherited this uh, Bay of Pigs business from Nixon. I had uh, no idea about is a disaster, and I will not be providing air support for those boys. So, <laughs> I got to work on it. I have to watch the movie JFK, really get into the spirit, drink a little bit oh. of whiskey, do a couple of Irish car bombs, kind of just feel <laughs> the spirit, eat some chili, have it come in me and channel JFK. Um, yeah, I mean, <coughs> I, understand. I bet you're a fun dad. If you have kids, your kid, you must keep your kids in stitches. Well, I'm, I'm the uncle, Lori. I don't. I don't have kids. I don't, I, I'm just, I'm a bachelor. I'm here in the Baja half the year, Lori, with my capybara <laughs> farm. I've raised a thousand capybaras. I've trained them in tactical warfare and jungle warfare, and they fetch me my cervezas for me too. I it's amazing. It. Lori, it's amazing what you can train a capybara to do. <laughs> um, no, I don't have kids. I, uh, I'm, I'm worried about, I'm worried about the new world order and the globalists, Lori. I can't have children. Right. I don't, time, I don't have time for that. So, in other words, all the culture war stuff doesn't matter quite that much well, to you because you well, don't have kids in school, right? My, yeah. Look, it, it matters to a point. I, I, I hate seeing the the debasement of our society and the, the slagging of what a traditional family is and how they want to redefine it and to be whatever it could be any day of the week. And I'm this gender, I'm this sex because I say so. You know, all all that stuff is just a bunch of nonsense. And I'm glad people are pushing back. I don't really make it the focus of my show and what I do because there's plenty of people like my friend Alex Stein there, Primetime 99. Hmm. Uh, He's he's down. He's going. He went into Target and put on the ridiculous bathing suit. And he's there dancing around showing how how outrageous it is. But I feel I feel for my peers, my friends who have children. Um, so I would not I, want to have school age kids right now. Holy cow. No, no. and I'm hearing some horror stories. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, yep. you know, they come home with questions about stuff that I was not exposed to at that age, especially yeah. not from in a school. Well, we certainly in our day, we didn't have to worry about someone of the opposite sex in our sports team or our locker room. Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, that Mike, was just Mike like Tyson not even gonna, a consideration. Mike Tyson wasn't going to be in your locker room, Lori, with a wig on saying, Hey, Lori, can you pass me my deodorant? <laughs> I didn't bring my deodorant today, Lori. Could you grab mine for me? You know, he's got a wig on. He looks like Tina Turner. May she rest in peace. Oh, we lost Tina today. She was one of my favorites. She taught me so much. I'm a singer, too. So I I love rhythm and blues and soul music. And Tina Turner was simply the best. She was awesome. Better than all the rest. It's true. It's so true. I'm going to miss her. I'm going to miss her so much. But hey, on the upside... It's Tommy Chong's birthday. He's 85 okay. today. Wow. So, he's still going. And he's beat cancer, I think, twice. Good still looks great. I just saw uh, Cheech and Chong a few years ago. He's here, pretty intact. And he did an amazing show. They're in great, great shape, still funny as hell. And yeah. it just goes to show you, folks, 420 is good for you. 
<laughs> but it's a ripe, um, old, healthy age. Well, Bob Dylan is 82 today. Oh, it is Bob's um, birthday, too. Robert, yeah. Robert Allen Zimmerman is a great guy. Hmm. Great guy. Happy birthday, some, Bob some Dylan. Some of the best. Some of the best. Yeah. Uh, Bobby quoted Masters of War today. He wished him a happy yeah. birthday, and Saw he put that, that up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, Meatball Meatball's down like 30 points right now behind the king. And I think Trump is going to run away with the nomination. But, I mean, Meatball's going to make it tough on him. I love that you call him Meatball. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> preach. going to stick. <laughs> I'm trying to preach civility with, like, Kennedy's campaign and Biden and not name-calling and stooping to that level. But, look, when you're, when you're talking about MAGA and Trump, I mean, that's like 80% of it is the nicknames mm -hmm. that he comes up with. You notice he has not yet come up with a nickname for Bobby Kennedy. He hasn't even mentioned hasn't, Bobby, not he hasn't once. Mentioned him. Yeah, it's and like I he doesn't exist. He's pretending he's not there, and yet I Kennedy, I think, is most likely to be his challenger in the fall of next year. Yeah, Trump versus Kennedy general election would be something. Woo. Um, yeah, bring it. Now that would be exciting. And but I first, we have to get past the Democratic Party, who are oh, putting up every God. roadblock every hurdle that they possibly can in Bobby's way. The Democrats are pretending he doesn't exist. The media is pretending he doesn't exist. And even Trump and the Republicans yeah. are trying to pretend he doesn't exist. And meanwhile, all of us are out here. We know he exists. We're out here our doing our thing. continues to grow yeah. every single day. We're going to get him to the White House one way or the other. I'm not sure how. Uh, Bobby probably has a super secret wise plan of how he's going to get past this brick wall of the dnc um i'm not sure how but i'm interested to see what he has in mind <laughs> yeah no it's just going to be a great campaign uh we need critical thinking says gender stuff is an internet thing way exaggerated from real life i have family in all kind of grades of school from elementary to college i tend you to know, agree with that's, that that is part of it too um much you of know, this is being exaggerated by the media. It, it's the loudest, most sensational stuff. And right. I always remind people, I when I spoke at the Rage Against the War Machine rally, I said, guys, Twitter is not real life. Out here, what we're doing out here in the streets, this is real life. Mm -hmm. You know, we're real people. We're gathered. We're exercising our First Amendment rights glory. Um, mm -hmm. Not Twitter. You know, Twitter is a tool, and we have to remember as, as such. That's what it is. You know, have you ever interviewed Jesse Ventura? Yeah, I had him on my show twice. I thought so. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, did he tell you the story about how he tried to convince Bobby Kennedy to run? Me and Jesse at about the same time. This was back in 2007, 2008. You know, there was all this pressure on Ventura to run. And he said, well, I'll do it. I, I can't do his voice like you do. But he said, I'll do it if Bobby Kennedy will run as my vice president. And so he went to meet with Bobby and his family face to face. I think it was on a vacation in Baja or something like that. Um, I forget exactly where, but um, they had a long talk about it. And at the time, of course, Bobby told Jesse the same thing he told me. Uh, he said, my children come first. And right. once my children are grown, you never know. But not now. Not now. I do remember that. I, I remember being very excited about that. I have to believe Jesse either wrote about it and don't start the revolution without yeah, me. He did. Okay. That's yep. where it was. And yeah, I asked RFK about this on our podcast 
and mm-hmm. he shared that anecdote with me that he said he ran into Jesse down in, in the Baja or mm-hmm. down in Mexico and he was going boating with his family for the day. So he invited the body to come uh, boating with him. Mm-hmm. And that's when I said, Bob, Bobby, I'll teach you some underwater demo. We'll, we'll make you an honorable, honorable Navy SEAL. I'll teach you how to blow things up under 40 feet of water. Nord Stream, those guys were a bunch of pussies. <laughs> they had no idea what they were doing. You know why? Because they, they left their calling card. I knew instantly who did that. If that was me, Bobby, you'd have no idea who did that. Oh, I miss Jesse's show, The World According to Jesse. Oh, on RT. Oh, so good. Yeah, it was on RT America. And of course, in our censorship world, we lost RT America and there went the show. The Russians putting out some of the letting letting us be dissident voices. Mm. You know, obviously it's a it's Russia today. It's gonna be pro Russia slanted towards the Kremlin. Uh hello, every again, other... we should have the right to receive well, that information exactly if we every, want to. Every other news outlet is slanted towards the Pentagon and the national security that's state. Right. Uh so okay, if we gotta to go to the Russians and they'll let us uh say some pretty pretty amazing things. I mean, yeah, RT did amazing work. Tyrell Tyrell did, Oh, that's true. Yeah, Tyrell Ventura, Jesse's son. Tabitha Wallace and uh, Sean Stonehead watching the Hawks. Yep. So Great psyched when, when they got that show off the ground. They, they, Me too. some banger interviews on that show. Oh, yeah. And we've had yeah. Tyrell on our show. We've had Sean on. We've had Jesse. Um, I saw our Lee Camp. I went to a, a live taping of um, Redact tonight with oh, Lee Camp. Awesome. And then yeah. I hung out with him and uh, Sean or, uh, Tyrell afterwards. Well, I tell you what, they're good people at RT. I have a lot of friends who work there yeah. who managed to keep their jobs. Another nice That's thing good. that RT did after they had to fold RT America uh, back in 2022 after the war started. Um, I love that RT tried to keep as many of their employees employed, their American employees. So they still have their studios there in New York City, the old RT America studios. They still use them but not for the RT American network. You just have to watch flagship RT, but a lot of those, those great people that we enjoyed watching on RT America are still there. They still have a job and, and uh, RT took care of them instead of Mm. putting them in the unemployment line. I love it was Larry King's last act working for RT. And then, um, Rick Sanchez. Aura, Aura TV, wasn't it? Yeah. I think he licensed it to RT. And uh, yeah, you've got... Uh, Ventura was on Aura too. Doesn't Carlos Slim from Mexico own that, the billionaire there? I believe that's correct. Carlos is my boss. So I, I get paid in cocaine, <laughs> shipments of cocaine. And then I route it to Hanoi. I smuggle it in a shipment of capybaras. <laughs> and then it, it goes to Hanoi, to Cambodia, to Myanmar, back to Minnesota. <laughs> that's the trade route, Lori. You do a great Jesse, man. <laughs> I love Jesse. Love I really it. wanted to do my Money. impression for him when I was when I filmed with him in person. I rented a uh, a bar in Brooklyn. Uh, my cousin manages a really cool place called the Nighthawk Cinema, and they have a really cool bar there. And Jesse was in New York City to promote Marijuana Mar- Manifesto that he wrote. Mm-hmm. So I had, had I had done a phone interview with him before. So I stayed in touch with his booker and said, "Hey, if I can get." The space for a couple hours. Can you? And I know Jesse's going to be in New York. Can we get him to Brooklyn here and do a filmed interview? And I'll have a film crew. And she said, "Yeah." So we set it up. And I said to her, "I said, hey, I kind of I want to run an idea by you. I'd like to do like a funny little skit with Jesse, where I do my impression of him, and I'm talking to someone, you know, doing the impression, 
and I don't realize Jesse Ventura is actually right behind me. And then I go, oh, my God, Ventura is right behind me, isn't he? And then I turn around and I would have Ventura like slam me on the ground or like do a wrestling move. <laughs> and she's like, that's a funny idea, but I don't I don't think he'd like it. So she's I didn't like funny idea, but no, <laughs> <clears throat> I didn't obviously end up doing it. But I mean, we've done it for Tyrell. He, he gets a kick out of it. And didn't you when, do it with Trump? Well, yeah, Trump has seen, I think I sent you the video of me with Trump where he yeah. saw my, my impression. And oh, yeah, Trump has seen it. He, he didn't have me executed. Look, Saudi Arabia thinks they're good at chopping people's heads off. Excuse me. I'm going to create so many executioner jobs here in America when I get in there, Lori, that heads will roll literally and figuratively. Believe me. <laughs> Be believe me. You know, when he's like, believe me. Believe me. Believe me. Yeah. That's um, like when Biden says, folks, believe me. For hey, real. Listen here. Listen I, I, here no fat. joke. No joke. I'm now, serious. when he says that, you know he's lying. Yeah. You know he's lying. I'm serious, man. Listen here. You listen yeah. here, fat. I'll bring you out back. We'll do some push-ups. As my mother would say, <laughs> God, God rest her soul. She died at 140. God, God love her. I'm Joe Biden. I'm running for Senate. If you don't like me, look me over. Vote for the other guy. <laughs> or you ain't black. Oh, God. Um... Yeah. No, I, 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 Trump has seen, yeah. And Alex Jones, I sent you that video of me with him where I did the impression of my <laughs> Alex Jones impression for him and Roger Stone. Oh, he loved it. Was it. Just surreal moment. I we, bet. Have, we, have, we have, we have to laugh about these things. <laughs> I've got a couple of comments. We got $10 from JC. JC, thank you for the $10. What does Lindsey Graham have to say about all this, Eric? Oh, Mike is the, the Mike is the expert at the Lindsey Graham impression, but I'll give it a world. He does do a great Lindsey. Yeah, his his Lindsey Graham is like best is best in class. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that those boys on the aircraft over there in the Arabian Sea, someone's got to rub lotion on their backs, and that someone gonna be me, Lori. It's gonna be me. This thing's gonna take boots against ISIL. I wish there was another way to deal with ISIL, but there's not. So we go, we go and appropriate a trillion dollars and we go and put boots on the ground. And then we're going to take those boots and put them up my ass. Oh, yowza. But someone's got to rub lotion on them boys' backs on the aircraft carrier with Tom Cruise. Someone's going to have to do it, Lori. Oh, my God. And I will, I will do it. Yeah, Mike does the, uh, does the Lindsey Graham really well. He's got that one over me. I'm going to spit out my coffee there, man. <laughs> you got me. You got me. Does Senator Rand Paul endorse mm. JFK? Boy, that's a good question. Or sorry, RFK. He's yeah. been so loyal to Trump, it's hard to imagine him jumping ship. Well, he got to golf with the king and uh, may have been one of the reasons we didn't go to war with Iran or bomb Iran because Rand was like, I don't think we should do that. I went golfing with President Trump and had between sips of Diet Coke, I said, we ought to not bomb Iran. And I said, Rand, that's a pretty good idea. All right, how about this? If I make the shot, we'll bomb him. If I don't, we won't bomb him. And I missed, and we didn't bomb Iran. <laughs> like that's the that's the difference, you know. Oh, you know, it's kind of an uh, an interesting situation in the Paul family right now because uh, his dad, Ron Paul, you know, he never endorses anybody, but he is so excited about RFK. He's practically giddy with excitement. I haven't seen Dr. Paul this excited yeah. about any candidate oh, yeah. probably in his whole life. No, he's very complimentary of RFK Jr. And yeah. I think we'll be seeing some, some stuff. Putin shirt, $10 a month, almost 3000 subscribers. That's $30,000 per month. 
That's more money per month than I made per year for 40 years. Uh, well, but subscribers should... don't pay. Most that's, of them don't. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. Right. So, yes, this YouTube channel has about 2,700 subscribers. The $10 mm -hmm. a month is through Patreon, patreon.com slash Jackman Radio. And right now I have 38 patrons. It seems that's about right. It seems like you're lucky if you have 10% of your subscribers who actually pay you know, to support you. So yeah. So right. I have uh Putin shirt. I have 38 paying patrons right now. So I am not making 30,000. Hey, I'm month. laughing all the way to the bank. You know how much I made on rumble last month? How much? Take a guess. Take a guess. 150. Four cents. Jeez. In a month. On I, rumble. I just got and, my and people rumble are like, going. why don't you do more stuff on rumble? And yeah. that's why. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a, uh, no, I mean, my, my goal is if I could get, you know, 500 or a thousand patrons doing five or $10 a month, then that would be, that would, I could get a whole, I could get into a studio and have a whole setup. Right. You know. Yeah. I but mean, it's, you wouldn't be broadcasting in your kitchen. I wouldn't be broadcasting in my spare bedroom. <laughs> yeah. But we make do with what we have, you know? Well, you know, I got spoiled all those years working in mainstream media. I always had the best equipment, had engineers to fix it if something broke, right. um, had great microphones and all the all the best hoo-ha, right. um, but they could afford it because we had corporate sponsors who were footing the bill. Yeah, the, the, that's true. The only dalliance I had, like a paying dalliance with mainstream media was, I uh, remember Fusion, which is owned by Univision. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So they hired me to voice Donald Trump for a bunch of cartoons that they put out. Oh, that's great. And yeah, I'll have to get my hand on some of those. Like they flew me to Miami um, and put me up in a really nice hotel. They, you know, I had a stipend for food and booze and they paid me really well. Um, so, yeah, when you have the backing of some kind of studio or, you know, a well-moneyed, well-oiled corporate media machine like that. But it's a deal with the devil. Eric. Well, it wasn't, you know, it, I was, was getting a, all the nice stuff. I was reading a you, script, Lori. I, it wasn't, it wasn't my Trump jokes. It wasn't the stuff I wanted to say is Donald Trump. It was right. serving fusions, political agenda, which I understood. Mm -hmm. Look, I took the money, Lori. Okay. I took it. I took, I took the Soviet oligarchs money and I laundered it through Trump tower. I did that. Okay. <laughs> Everyone knew it was a laundromat for ill-gotten Soviet gains. Everyone knows that. Okay. Hmm. Those boys in Palm beach in Miami and Brighton beach, very good friends of mine. <laughs> but it was fun. I did that for a couple of years and like the quality of it was cool because there was a whole animation team. So I would record right. my script, um, you know, on a voice recorder and then email it to the team. And then they would take my voice and build a cartoon of Donald Trump around it. Oh, I'd pretty... like to see that sometime. Yeah, I'll see if I can dig up. This was, you know, years. This was in his first term. It was years ago. And then they mm -hmm. flew me down there for a big to in, in person in their studio to record a Christmas special called uh, Dreaming of the Whitest Christmas, of course. Ha, ha, ha. You know, <laughs> and uh, that was that was cool. It was a cool experience. And then That's DW, cool. Deutsche Welle, out of Germany, um, I knew one of their guys from the Washington office. They flew me to D.C. to record a couple of skits with a Hillary impersonator. And we filmed in front of a green screen, and then they used those as, like, a report oh, on the Republican like National debate? Convention. Like yeah, you and like, Hillary like impersonator were debating, squabbling with each other, like going back and forth, and then me doing oh. some slapstick stuff. Fun. Um, so yeah, I did that for DW. That was pretty cool. I mean, that That's got beamed. Fun. That got beamed out. To, they're basically the CNN of Germany. 
Yeah, they are. And that got beamed out to a lot of people. And one of my buddies was in Japan and he saw that while he was in Japan. So I was like, I'm huge in Japan right now. I'm <laughs> huge. Big in Japan right now, Lori. <laughs> you know, if we've you got this it. new podcast on Scott Ritter's channel, uh, Strange Bedfellows, which you were our first guest on with your brother. It was a great show. But, you know, Scott's got this big following in Russia. The Russians just love him. He's like Elvis or Jerry Lewis over there, right? So um, they transcribe and translate every show into Russian, and they have a, a person who goes to the trouble to, like, uh, transcribe it all, and then they read it back in Russian. So somebody oh, wow. sent me a copy of our first show, and I'll send it to you in Russian. Oh, wow. So it's the weirdest <laughs> thing. When I saw myself on TV and my lips were moving, but a man's voice was coming out in Russian. It was insane. It was the first time a, I've ever ever seen that happen. That's that definitely was a, a trip. trip. Yeah. That was a that's, trip. So that, that's funny you say that, that the DW piece, one of it's dubbed, it's dubbed in German. Yeah. So I'm doing like Trump thing, and then there's a guy speaking German. So we get to it. hear Trump impersonator in German. With, wow. with a ger German voiceover. I love the German people. <laughs> and I had a great, it was very sad, Lori. I had a great uncle. He died during the Holocaust. It was very tragic for our family. He fell out of a guard tower. It was very tough. Very, Ooh. very tough. Ah, but um, bum, bum. Very, very tough for the Trump family. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know. That's savage, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Bloody. Well, we're coming up. An hour 16, so... My goodness, time flies. Before, yeah, before we wrap yeah. here, Lori, if you got anything you want to plug and any projects you got coming uh, coming up, and, you know, obviously, other than YouTube, sadly, you know, where can people find you and support you? Well, uh, you can still find me on YouTube, right? Because you're watching here and now. You just can't find my channel anymore. My channel got uh, taken down yesterday, but I'm still on Maverick News I'm the American correspondent for Maverick News. I don't know how much longer we will be on YouTube um, because we're on our second strike at Maverick News. Mm. And they could take us down at any moment. But we're also on Rumble. Subscribe to me on Rumble at Lori Spencer and subscribe to Maverick News. Also, we've just started a really great new podcast. And it was a pleasure having you and Mike on our first show called Strange Bedfellows. And you can find that on Scott Ritter's network, which is called U.S. Tour of Duty. Um, and we're live every Friday night in May at 8 o'clock Eastern time. This week, Friday night, we will be talking to the organizer of a big peace march, peace rally, anti-war rally that's happening in New York City this weekend. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about that and how we're striving every day to try and bring a peaceful resolution to this conflict in Ukraine. I hope that you will tune in and join us. And uh, Scott Ritter's been on a goodwill tour over there in Russia for a month, and this will be his final week. We always get a report from Scott as he goes around. I mean, he got to do so much cool stuff. He got to go to Victory Day. He was there for the dress rehearsal and the parade, and he was in Stalingrad last week saw the motherland calls statue and the war memorial up close which is so so deeply moving um you know tens of thousands of of war dead are buried there and most of them are ident unidentified to this day and it really brings home to you what the russians 
sacrificed in World War II to beat the Nazis. Um, you know, General Zhukov said quite famously that um, Russia saved the world from fascism and they will never forgive us for it. And here we are in the 21st century and fascism rises again. And once again, it looks like it's going to have to be Russia to drive a stake through its heart. Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. Now it's China, China, China. It's, it is. It yeah, is. We, Xi Jinping, we pivoted quickly, didn't we? Xi Jinping Pong. He's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. <laughs> nice guy. Kind of cute. Kind of somewhat cute. Yeah, no, they, they do. They, they, they like to eliminate the, the mm. what happened to the Soviet Union and Russia um, and how many people they lost and what, well, what most did, of us grew did, up during the Cold did. War. You know, they told us yeah. that the Americans well, we and have the to British hate and the now. French beat the Nazis. Yeah, we have to hate the Russians now. Yeah, I know that they just they just it's so not true. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. History is we know who writes history. So that's uh, the victory. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, Scott's final thoughts on his trip. And please join his, us Friday his, night. His takeaways from that and, you know, his experiences with the Russian people. A lot of Americans have never even met someone from Russia or even even will know them. They just know a boogeyman they see on TV. It's, it, my dad used to say this. Every 10 years, America recycles their enemies. So we had Al-Qaeda and terrorists for 10 years, and now we're back to the Russians. We have to hate the Russians and the Chinese. We had to hate the Iranians. Um, we had to hate, you know, we had to be scared of ISIS. And ISIS doesn't exist anymore. So now it's the Russians and the Chinese. So It's just uh, recycling the Cold War. It's rehash. War. Yeah, it's just a rehash. You know? I'm a Cold yeah. War kid. I grew up during the Cold War, and I thought it was dumb the first time. Mm. And I don't know why the hell the anybody thought dumber. it would be a good idea to do it again. Because dumb and dumber. it was just dumb the first time. Well, Lori, it's a Raytheon rehash. Okay? That's right. They need the cash. They need the no, cash. No, you know what it really is, man? It's that the Nazis want a rematch. They've been butt hurt ever since 1945. They want a rematch. And they're like, come on, Russia. Come on. Now we've got the United States on our side, huh? Now we got Britain on our side. We're going to kick your ass. And Russia's like, actually. Yeah, <laughs> so Putin, we'll see about Putin's that. being based. Yeah, yeah, I just hope they can come up come up with something, man. I mean, it's it's sad to hear about Ukrainians and Russians dying. And It is. Um, it's a tragedy. And we it have sucks. to stop it. And look, I wouldn't want to be a hardcore anti-war activist in Russia either. I wouldn't want to be someone, uh, you know, a loud voice uh, against what Putin's doing in America. We're lucky we can do that without fear. I went, you know, I went down to the anti-war march and yelled at the White House and yelled at Brandon. And you were said there my, at Rage Against the War Machine. Yeah, I spoke yeah. in front of the White House. I remember one of, that. One of the, I was I was on the B team, the, the B team of SEALs. I didn't speak on the main stage, Lori, but I was in front of the White House. <laughs> I remember. The, I, I was a bench warmer for the big event. <laughs> Um, well, you know, the people of our nations want to live in peace. Well, that's just it. Yeah, I'm, Russian people are not my enemies. Ukrainian oh. people are not my enemies. It's 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 these uh, sociopathic leaders of these countries that, that's that right. the governments, the, the corporate, the the fat. It's fascism. I mean, like we said when I did your show, the textbook definition of fascism is merger of state with corporate power. And you know, Bobby and Kennedy is saying the same thing. He might the not be using the it. f word. Well, 
Um, but he's he does still, define right. it as corporatism, yeah. and he's correct. Yeah, corporate capture is fascism of our agencies. Same thing. That's exactly what we have, and um, it's going to be a great campaign. Well, we hope you'll come on again, Lori. I really, I would uh, love to. I appreciate you, yeah, taking the time with me, and, and I'm really glad we've connected and become friends. And you bet. I hope we can, we can meet in person one day. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we can get you up to New Hampshire for a Bobby event. Oh, I love New Hampshire. It's one of my favorite places in the East We're going to be doing a lot of them. And uh, maybe, maybe, Lori, put this on your calendar right now, Friday, October 13th, Jackman Brothers birthday party at at a brewery. We do it every year. I had Tulsi Gabbard at it in 2019. She sang me a Hawaiian lullaby, if you can believe it. Yeah. She has a lovely voice. Tulsi Gabbard has a beautiful voice. She's very talented. She she plays... uh, she can play the ukulele. Oh, the ukulele? She, she sings, yeah. And her husband's yeah. a great. Her husband's a drummer, That's um, right. and he plays. Yeah, they're, they're really talented people. Um, well, you yeah. know what my dream ticket is. It's we, uh, we do. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby and Tulsi, and Tulsi. Would, would be everything. Would definitely please. be everything. Yes, please, please. Yeah, there's a lot please. of synergy there, and she's been speaking very positively of him on Fox, and mm. any chance she gets, she's been coming to his defense, which we really appreciate, Tulsi. Yeah, I saw her on. Uh, was it outnumbered yesterday? Yeah. Where yeah. she was saying, you know, everybody's terrified of Bobby Kennedy, and she's right. They are. Yeah. Well, that's why not even Trump will mention him. And I wrote. And did you I, notice how quickly the other Fox News hosts changed the subject? Did you notice that? That was yeah. a quick pivot. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, oh, that's the guy we can't talk about. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Hang out with me here, Lori. After we end the broadcast, we can chat afterwards. But uh, everybody, thank you for letting me speak. Of course. And yeah, you're, you're welcomed on anytime. Lori, we'll have you on again soon. And it's, uh, I really enjoyed our chat. Me too. And uh, yeah, everyone Thanks listening. Everybody. Yeah. Peace from Jackman Radio and Lori. And thank you for watching and tuning in. And please, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, um, we're on Spotify, Podbean, Apple and iTunes. And to support the channel, patreon.com slash Jackman Radio. And if you want to request a personal greeting or a funny video, um, we're on Venmo too. My Venmo handle is Senator Jackman 86. So send gratuity and tips there and requests for a video. Thanks again for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. Have a great night. Good night.